My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then will you stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door to us. He will say to you in reply, do not know where you are from. And you will say, we ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Back in December of 2005, New York City firefighter Matthew Long was assigned as the fitness instructor at Randall's Island, a place where new recruits or probies are trained to become one of New York's bravest. And it probably was the best job for, for Matt Long to have because he was the epitome of an athlete. Earlier in 2005, he had completed his 30th triathlon. Yes, you heard that correctly, his 30th. And if you're not sure what a triathlon is, just to give you an idea, that last one he completed included swimming two and a half miles, biking 112 miles, followed by running 26.2 miles. So you could say the man was in pretty good shape. On this cold December morning, though, in 2005, there had been this transit bus worker strike which had effectively crippled New York City. And there were all kinds of restrictions placed on people forbidding them to drive into the city. So Firefighter Long decided that he would bike it to work. After doing 112 miles out there, doing three to four to get to Randall's Island wasn't that big a deal to him. So he got up at 5 a.m. and he started to make his way to Randall's Island. And as he was en route, a bus that had been hired by a local company to bring their employees into work, not being familiar with the city and all the different you know, one-way directions and stuff, made a wrong turn and crashed right into him. This 40,000-pound vehicle pinned him in his bicycle in Midtown in an intersection. 
The critical injuries were so bad that initially he was only given a 1% chance of survival. And if miraculously somehow he were to survive, they never expected him to walk again. In those first days, he had three emergency surgeries, received more than 60 pints of blood, was transferred to New York Presbyterian Hospital where doctors spent days just trying to keep the man alive, which would be followed by over 40 more operations, months in the hospital and therapy and more physical therapy. In an interview, Matt Long shared that at one of his lowest moments, he wrote to a man who had suffered a similar catastrophic injury and said, I need your help because I don't want to live anymore. And the man wrote back to him saying, things have gotten better for me. And if you work hard, they will get better for you. After crying in anguish over what had become of his life and thinking of all the things that he had wanted and planned for, all the dreams and goals that seemed to have been crushed, Matt says that something finally snapped inside of him. He started to say, I will run again. And less than three years later, Matt Long ran in the New York City Marathon. It took him seven hours and 21 minutes, more than double the time it took him prior to the accident for him to complete the 26 plus miles. But it wasn't about the time it took. It was a victory to all those people who at the finish line, from his surgeons to family and friends and fellow firefighters, everyone who stood by Matt, each in their own way, had said, I'm not giving up on you. Because it would have been easy for him to have just given up, to barely have survived, allowing himself to hear all those pessimistic expectations and allow that horrific day and that horrific accident to completely redefine his life and his existence in so many negative ways. And now 15 years later, he's written a book entitled The Long Run and is a motivational speaker sharing how he overcame all of his fear and his despair and his loneliness and overcoming all that physical and psychological trauma that he experienced. That story came to mind in reading today's gospel because I don't know how many times I read these readings this week and with all my assorted notes, the one word that it it came down to, the one word that, that seemed to jump off the page was strive. But let's back up a moment. This whole gospel scene is a bit abrupt as a Sunday reading, particularly for us on a lazy, hazy Sunday in August. We read this account of how Jesus is walking through towns and villages on his way to Jerusalem. And just to clarify, he's not going for a vacation. He's not going just for a visit. He's heading there for his passion and his death on the cross. And out of the blue, someone, St. Luke tells us, sees Jesus and asks, Lord, will only a few people be saved? How's that for a random question? As random as it is, this unidentified person asks the question that people have always been curious about. Lord, will only a few people be saved? 
In recent decades, there's been a, a number of Catholic and other Christian preachers that seem to emphasize that, yes, we have to believe there's a hell, but we don't have to believe actually, anyone, actually that anyone is in hell. Or for those who are even anxious at hearing the word hell uttered, they might spin it saying, we can have a reasonable belief that everyone will be saved in the end. That's a nice thought. You can even say it's something good to hope for. And yeah, we absolutely should be praying for one another's salvation. But that's not biblically based or sound Christian teaching to say that everyone will be saved. That's why Jesus is talking about it being a narrow gate. And it's clear that some might claim that they're followers, that they've heard him speak, they know his name, that ate in his company that Jesus will turn around and say he doesn't know them because nothing about their lives reflect being in relationship with him. But in that moment when that thought begins to register in our consciousness and in our minds, when our thoughts start going off in a whole lot of different directions like trying to imagine who he might be talking about, what's so key is how instantly Jesus arrests those thoughts. And he tells us the number one thing for us to be focused on isn't what everyone else is doing, but what are we doing? Are we striving to enter through the narrow gate? Are we making efforts to live a life that reflects that we're disciples of Jesus Christ? And what does that mean? Are we struggling against sin? Are we resisting temptation the moment we're aware of them? Are we fighting against a worldly spirit that tries to dampen our faith and convictions, especially in our world where we're confronted by bullying voices demanding that you accept everything from redefining what marriage is to when life begins or where a person's identity comes from? Are we fighting internally that impulse that prioritizes our wants and needs and desires rather than making God first by making time and space for him in our prayer and helping others financially and even more valuable by extending our time and offering our personal care and attention to helping someone. No doubt it can be overwhelming when we start to itemize all that's expected and needed and necessary for us to be a follower of Jesus, who are living in an increased secularized, if not downright anti-Christian world right now. And it's easy to start falling into that comparison game where we try to position ourselves as doing far better than someone else or not. And none of that's helpful. Jesus doesn't want us to get distracted by any of that. And that's why I think I was captivated by that word strive. Jesus isn't saying it's going to be easy or that we're going to do it perfectly or that we're at all times in every way going to achieve that goal of getting through that narrow gate. Jesus being fully God was there at the dawn of creation and saw every setback that came in the history of humanity. But Jesus being fully human also knew how manipulative the devil is and his temptations to, to try to con us into settling into compromising, even to giving up that pursuit of the life of faith. 
Every human being is going to fail at some point in resisting sin and in our, our striving to, to get through that narrow gate. It happens as we read to the most faithful, revered men and women in the scriptures or all of our canonized saints, except the Blessed Virgin Mary, of course. All of them, though, have fallen and, and failed in some way, in some regard. But do they stay there? And do we stay there? Do we give up and give in? Or do we get back up and strive? Do we trust that his love is greater than our failures? Do we put our confidence in his mercy as we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, confess our sins, and receive his forgiveness? Do we strive to enter the narrow gate? That's what makes firefighter Matt Long's story such a, a beautiful, dramatic one. Because we hear of someone who was crushed, a man who thought his life had disappeared, his world had, had ended, a man who thought he had no future and could have chosen just to stay in that mindset. Yet that voice from within made him say, this is not the end. And so he runs again. Well, what will be our story? Despite all the challenges and the negativity and the countless examples that come at us to, to discourage us and to depress us in our life of faith, that levels unhelpful comparisons or makes us think it's impossible. Jesus tells us following him, following him is possible, and that holiness is achievable. But it begins when we stop letting all that external noise in and start listening to him simply telling us and calling us confidently to strive. 